Hey, this is Sebastian the Jet. You are listening to Soccer Subs. This is Jordan Stewart, and you're listening to Soccer Sub. Go listen. Hey, this is Rob Stone from Fox Sports. You are listening to the Soccer Subs Podcast. The Soccer Subs Podcast. It's game on. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Soccer Subs Podcast, episode 57. My name is Ronnie, and I'm joined here with my three Soccer Subs co-hosts, Christian, Eric, and Voss. Uh, fellas, what a week it's been. So much soccer to get into. Champions League, MLS, CONCACAF Champions League. How are you guys doing this week? Good to be on with you guys. Ronnie, Voss, Eric, I am super excited because we got everything. Like you said, Champions League all over MLS. The New York Red Bulls beat New England at their own home after five years. Super excited for this episode. Welcome to the Soccer Shops Podcast. Thank you guys for joining us today. Episode 57, guys. It feels good to be back. The three Soccer Subs co-hosts. I love you guys. Love all the listeners. Thank you to anyone tuning in. And we have a very special guest coming up shortly. And can't wait to talk all the news. We've had so much of it. The week feels like it's been a year. Ronnie, it's always a great week when Madrid win. It's amazing. You know, we won, La, we won a La Liga game. We won a UCL game. You ask me how I'm doing. I'm doing amazing. You know, 57 is casually the amount of people I have in my DMs arguing me about Chelsea, but uh, it's it's totally fine. No, thank you all for listening. We have so much to talk about in so little time. Let's get into it. Uh, that's right, Eric. And for the soccer fans, we got a big show for you guys today. Episode 57. We're wrapping up our 50s soon. We got a special guest joining us in just a few minutes. Uh, he's an MLS pro out of Chula Vista, California. He's played for the MLS side, Atlanta United, as well for the Atlanta United 2 squad in the USL. He currently plays for FC Cincinnati, wearing number 19 at forward. Oh, man, it's a true pleasure. We got Mr. Brandon Vasquez joining us in just a few minutes. Man, really excited to talk to Brandon. Definitely a guy to watch in the MLS, a lethal striker up in the box. Super excited to talk with Brandon on his career, MLS, and just the upcoming season. So Brandon's coming up in just a few minutes. And I mean, fellas, we always say it, so much to get into. I mean, just to run it quickly, CONCACAF Champions League is back. NYCFC losing to the Seattle Sounders, 3-1. to one. Seattle Sounders, very dominant in that game. What a game. We'll get into that in just a few minutes. MLS rumors coming out. Gonzalo Higuain might be retiring at the end of the season. Sources are that his father confirmed that, although Gonzalo has not issued a formal statement. So we'll stay tuned if he really is retiring. Rumors coming out of FC Cincinnati. Brenner possibly requesting a trade out of the club. Uh, we'll definitely stay tuned to that. We'll be talking FC Cincinnati in just a few minutes. Also, we're definitely excited for this upcoming weekend. El Tráfico coming up as well this Saturday. LA Galaxy versus LAFC already here, and it's a sold-out crowd. Get there early. Uh, on the Champions League side, Real Madrid losing to Chelsea 3-1. to Villarreal beating Bayern. And on the Europa League stuff, Barcelona tying with Frankfurt. And I mean, fellas, I know we, we recorded last Thursday. Well, the next day on Friday, World Cup groups came out. It's going to be USA, England, Iran, and then a toss-up between Wales, Poland, and Ukraine. And then Christian, I mean, we'll probably mention it, our very own Ecuador with Senegal, Netherlands, and Qatar. So what a star-studded week. It's so much to get into. Uh, fellas, let me just throw to you guys real quick. I mean, first things first, let's talk MLS real quick. I mean, look, we got the MLS standings right now. Philadelphia Union on top of the East, LAFC on top of the West, FC Cincinnati sitting 10th in the East, 
I mean, we got Brandon Vassos coming up. Let me ask you guys, how are you guys feeling so far for the MLS standings? And just overall, I mean, FC Cincinnati had a game against Montreal. What a game, three to four, losing that game. But Vass, let me just throw it to you real quick, man. How are you feeling on these MLS standings? And just anything you could just chime in on, on any FC Cincinnati struggles. Well, a quick shout out to my New York Red Bulls for winning in their House of Horrors. In New England. So we had to give some quick shout out for second in the East now. And just to touch on Cincinnati now, I think, unfortunately, their record doesn't show how well they've played at the start of the season and how much progress Pat Noonan has done with this team. And I think this game just furthered my sentiment of Georgie Mihailovic and Brandon Vasquez making a statement to try to get on the U.S. national team. I- I'm saying we got to see them at least in the Nations League, but it was an incredible game. Unfortunately, Cincinnati ends up dropping it, and it was just back and forth from the beginning. They couldn't capitalize on an own goal, and unfortunately ended up losing 3-4 to uh, a very motivated CF Montreal team, who now that they're out of the Champions League, have just put all their focus on the league, and the results would come. And you've been seeing that with a big away win for the the Canadians. And I'm a little curious to see what you guys uh, have to say about it. Well, I was going to ask you something, Vaz, because there are two different sides of these of this FC Cincinnati team, right? Their attacking side, which is fantastic when you have uh, Lucha Costa, when you have Baji, when you have Brandon Vasquez, who's a stud, and then Powell, uh, having that uh, fullback, wingback role, being a, a right defender and going all the way from wing to wing and trying to get those crosses in was fantastic, to be honest. You know, first of all, let's talk about him. Powell creates the chance for the first goal. And then he also creates a penalty. Fantastic, because he's, you need those type of players. As a matter of fact, FC Cincinnati, for the most part, the attack was on that side. But how about defensively? Because I think if you really put in perspective from what I, what I saw from the match was two things. The first two goals, I don't like pointing these out, but they, they do a great job winning the ball back, but then they lose it right away. And those two similar plays on the first two goals, unfortunately, by Yuya Kubo, because he he's he does a good job tracking back and good job stealing the ball. But then it's unfortunate because he gives it away. And then the first one is indirectly because then it goes to a throw in. And then Mihailovic, who's just fantastic, just swifts his way into the box and gets a beautiful shot in. And then the second one is almost similar. You have so much time on the ball. Yuya Kubo has so much time on the ball, but it, he doesn't find a, a, a way to connect with a partner. He loses it, and then the counter goes back in. So now there, uh, there are two goals on really mistakes that can be fixed. This this is has nothing to do with Pat Noonan. These are just little details of the game that players need to be aware of. It's just concentration. Now, what I do want to say something is that there are also there is some disconnection between the defensive line. I think Geoff Cameron was trying to play the offside line way too many times. And Montreal was looking for those balls to Kei Kamara. And one of them got through. And there were multiple times where they actually came through. They just didn't finish in a goal. So the disconnection in the defense, the leadership by Geoff Cameron, it has to be shown a little bit more. Because think about it. He's 36 years old. He's not going to catch up to the fast players. And Kikamara is not a young guy, but he's very fast. So if you're going to play the offensive line, you have to be coordinated. There has to be some coordination defensively in order for you to be effective. Otherwise, you're going to suffer like you have suffered the whole season. And it's just little things, details about the game that can help improve this FC Cincinnati side. Because like I said again, offensively, when you have someone like Brandon Baskis or Baji who are outlets, 
to play long balls or chip balls over and then playing in the middle with uh, Acosta, who's very good at controlling that midfield, you can have an impact on teams. You can win games. But I'm a little bit afraid that if you don't fix these defensive errors, the team is, is not going to be able to, to continue to improve. That's the first thing that you have to focus on, and I hope it does. I like the fact that Pat Noonan did say at the end of the game, you know what? At the end of the day, my players are not understanding what I want from them. And that's the coordination that I'm talking about because whether you're pressing, you press as a team. And I saw at different times in the game where FC Cincinnati was pressing, but then there was a huge gap in the middle. And then the defensive was too far back or maybe a little bit too behind. So there's, there's, there's no cohesiveness in the way that they're defending and they're playing together. If they can stay compact, if they find a way to communicate better on the field, if they find a way to connect better on the field, this team can be dangerous. And that's something that definitely will be worked on for the next couple of games, I'm sure. Yeah, just to, to also mention, I great points, Christian. And I think FC Cincinnati's attack seems to be their best defense as well because... Luci Acosta, I mentioned a little earlier in a few previous episodes. I think he has a he's like a top three player in his position. Like he's currently the leader in possession one in the final third this season, as well as big chances created. So it he just does a lot for the team. I think they just they're so not that they're top heavy, but they defend from the front. And I think there is such a huge disconnect between the attack and the defense. Like that midfield just seems to disappear when they're on the back foot. So just some incredible points. And Jeff Cameron. Huge disappointment since he signed for Cincy. You'd expect such a big name, having such a storied career, playing in World Cups, playing in England for all those years, he'd be a better leader and try to stabilize that defense. But I think they should give one of the young guys a chance, honestly speaking, at this point. No, well, that, Ronnie, that's the thing. Like, it, it, FC Cincinnati, the problem is not the coach. The problem is the small details. Those are the little things that, that need to be fixed. If each player holds themselves accountable, they can improve, first of all, as a player, because that's the first thing you need to do as a team. You improve the player and then you improve the team. Little details. Those are the things that great coaches like Guardiola, like Jurgen Klopp talk about. If you don't fix those things, you're not going to be able to win games because you need that for 90 minutes. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate that, guys. I mean, all right, fellas. Well, let's get over to CONCACAF Champions League. We had the Seattle Sounders versus NYCFC in action. Seattle Sounders completely dominating NYCFC 3-1. to one. That was a heck of a game. As well, we had Pumas versus Cruz Azul in action as well. 2-1 to one there on that game. Pumas taking that game. I mean, fellas, I just wanted to ask you guys. I mean, Christian said this before, but do you guys feel that we could possibly have, the, for the first time ever, an MLS champion in the CONCACAF Champions League. I mean, Vas, let me throw it to you, man. I think, do you feel like the winner that comes out of that Seattle-NYCFC game could possibly take it all versus a, a Pumas or Cruz Azul side? I had the fortune of watching both games on uh, Tuesday and Wednesday night, and Cruz Azul and Pumas didn't exactly inspire me to think that a Mexican side is going to dominate this year in the final. And Seattle, although they've started the season kind of slow, I think they're just fixated on trying to finally have an MLS team win this tournament. Last time we had a team lift this cup, it wasn't even called the CONCACAF Champions League, and it was DC United back in 2000. So I've been waiting to actually say this and wholeheartedly believe it. I do think an MLS team will win the CONCACAF Champions League this year. And big up to the Sounders for putting on a great show against NICFC at home. Not for the lack of trying for uh, the boys in blue, but 
yeah, I just think that it's almost destined, you know, to have the Sounders be the team to finally buck that trend. And if you did catch a, a bit of that Cruz Azul and Pumas game, very scrappy first goal and a little unfortunate not to have a hat trick for uh, their their starting forward up front. But I think it should be a close affair. But Cruz Azul with the one away goal, we do have to remember CONCACAF Champions League still has the away goal rule. It is an uh, interesting affair going into that second matchup because it's going to be 2-2, you know, with the, a 2-1 scoreline in, in Pumas' home. I appreciate that. Christian, let me throw to you, man. I mean, th- these are your words saying that you think that an MLS side could take a CONCACAF Champions League this season. Yeah, what do you think on that? Absolutely. There is no doubt. And I, I love it that, that this is recorded. I want this to be recorded because this is the time that an MLS team will lift the trophy, finally. I just want to touch on something that Vas said. Exactly. Starting from the first minute, you saw the faces of Christian Roldan and Nico Lodeiro, Jordan Morris. They look hungry. They At some point, I thought they were angry because they wanted to beat New York City FC and they want to go and play this final. And they showed it. But there's another thing you have to differentiate when you want something and when you can actually achieve it. But a team like the Seattle Sanders, I was completely mesmerized by the way they play because they play quick attacking football all the time they find ways to attack you they didn't leave new york city to see a minute of breathing time because you can see uh alexander callen's face when they're uh, on the second half he wanted to tell everybody block 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 the crosses because he had to run back and forth trying to stop those crosses in so uh, i love what I see from Seattle Sanders because they play aggressive football. They love that third man run. I think one of the things that New York City FC, uh, the mistake that they did was that they were so worried about the crosses that they, that they send in that Amundsen was so close to the, to the sideline and there was a huge gap between the center back and the left back. So when you have so much open space, they were filtering those passes and the crosses kept coming in. And that's actually how they found that goal uh, with Morris, which is a beautiful shot. Now, like you said, Vaz, a lot of credit to New York City FC. Tati Castellanos is an European player. And what I mean by that is, is he needs to be playing at the highest level of elite football because he shows that. In the simple ways that he touches the ball, in the simple ways that he passes to connect with other defenders. Tati Castellanos does a really good job connecting with Santi Rodriguez because they know they understand each other without saying anything. And I think that New York City FC lacked a little bit more aggressiveness, especially on the first half. On the second half, they were down 2-1, so they had to look for that second goal. Unfortunately, their center back, their center back that they have brought in is probably not at the same level as Maxime Chenot. He was missed this game. And that simple mistake of kicking Rui Diaz, it was a penalty. I, I wanted to say it was a soft penalty, but if everything that's happening right now with VAR, anyone would call that a penalty. So 3-1, the leg, I can't say the game is over, but if you were to ask me, be realistic, I don't think New York City FC can come back and beat a good team like the Seattle Sanders. However, all it takes is one goal, to start everything off. If New York City can get an early goal, we can see a good match. And whoever wins this game, I, I'm, I'm not afraid to say it. They are going to win the cup. There's just two good teams with good quality football. They can take on the Dineno. They can take on Cruz Azul. They can win this cup. And all right, fellas, we're here to talk some of the big games from this past week. 
And I know we had four big Champions League games this week. Man City versus Atletico Madrid. Liverpool versus Benfica, Real Madrid versus Chelsea, and the biggest shocker of that, I think this week, Bayern Munich falling to Villarreal. What, what were some of the games I think stood out to you, and what were some of your highlights this week, man? <laughs> oh, man. Well, where to start? Ivan, where are you? For the one of the, one of the, one of the integral members of the Soccer Subs family, cry louder. No, 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 I'm just kidding. Listen, I'll start off with one of the more – Probably the biggest surprise was Villarreal beating Bayern Munich. And thinking about it now, I know the, the guys, the rest of the guys want to touch upon the game later. And I'm just going to give my brief rundown. I say the biggest surprise, but are we really that surprised? Five, six episodes ago, I told all of you, all of our wonderful fans, that Bayern Munich are one of the most volatile European teams. They are very consistent. They'll beat your small Bundesliga teams. But when it comes to UCL football, as good as they are, as talented as they are, as rich of a history that they have, they tend to stumble. They tend to fumble the bag. Lewandowski, he's been touted to be one of the greatest strikers of the last decade. Where was my man's? Where was the Polish goal? You know, he was missing. And go ahead and score a hat trick this weekend. But you were needed in Spain, you know? UCL is the defining moment of a club's season, in my opinion, especially a, a club as big as Bayern. And all credit to Villarreal. Unai Emery is an Arsenal reject, but this guy has an incredible resume with Sevilla. He knows European football. He knows what how to get the best out of his players, how to get the best out of a very mid-table team. Many people would call Villarreal a mid-table team. And he gets the best out of this team. They played exciting football. And I said it before, Bayern's defense, it's their weakest point. And I, I wonder how they're going to address it. Now, on the other side of things, Madrid-Chelsea. I heard Chelsea were looking for new owners. I think Benzema's in the running for sure. I mean, oh, man, listen, Benzema owns Chelsea. I think we can all agree on that. Nobody can disagree on that. Uh, Chelsea have a new owner, Karim Benzema, of course. Listen, that game, exciting from top to end. Listen, Villarreal and Bayern didn't have as many goals, but it was just as exciting as Chelsea and Madrid because Chelsea and Madrid obviously had four goals, but both teams were just playing amazing. And look, I'm not trying to be biased or anything, but again, I said it before, Karim Benzema is so fundamental to this Real Madrid team. This is a second tie where Karim Benzema capitalizes off a goalkeeper mistake. He capitalized off a don't know to my mistake. This time he capitalized off a Mendy mistake. And as good as Mendy is, I kind of feel bad for that mistake because we tend, you know, not we because I'm not a soccer player, but soccer players tend to have these laps and thinking sometimes during the games. And if you see the replay, you think, what the heck is Mendy thinking? But it's just moments like that that Karim Benzema feeds off of. And we saw it. Karim Benzema, hat trick, amazing. Now, am I going to say I am going to, I'm 100% confident in Madrid winning the, the tie? I'd say I'm about 60% there. The reason being is obviously Chelsea got a goal, you know, a wonderful goal. And to be honest, if you saw the full game, Chelsea had their chances. Courtois had to make a couple of saves. Lukaku. In the beginning, Havertz, Havertz had a chance that he skied, but, you know, it's just finishing. You know, if they get a decent finisher, which I hope – I. Prior to the season, I hope Lukaku would have finished these goals. But if Chelsea get an actual striker who fits into the system, they're very lethal up front. They create chances. Obviously, the defense has some injuries and, you know, they don't play to the best of the potential. But this you can't sleep on Chelsea. I believe that it's very crucial for Real Madrid to avoid Chelsea 
getting a first goal. If Chelsea score the first goal in the next tie, I am scared because Chelsea have nothing to lose. After all their troubles outside of football, they're clearly not competing for top two or three in Premier League. They have nothing to lose, and that's the worst type of opponent that you want to face in a Champions League match, an opponent who has nothing to lose. Chelsea's a very dangerous side on their day, but I'm excited to see how these next UCL games unfold. I know. I want to ask you if you really think Atletico Madrid has a chance because you can't just play 5-5-0 and, well, they didn't have a shot on goal. And they only had, what, I think 28, 29% of possession. And, you know, there's a difference. Like, I just want to make a comparison between Villarreal and Atletico Madrid because both teams like to wait, like to feel comfortable defending from the back, but they have an idea of attack. <laughs> you know, they have a way of connecting up top with players who can be dangerous. And then Atletico Madrid, there are some big games who just show you what, what are they doing. I, you know, I just don't think they have what it takes to beat Man City unless Guardiola loves overthinking stuff and he already said it. He loves doing that. So hopefully it's a good match from City, but I do see them going through. Not Atletico Madrid. No, I mean, you know, as deep as a, of a squad that they have, Atletico are still, you you don't want to sleep on them because Diego Simeone, he tends to, his team, if he wants, he'll flick a switch and have them play attacking football. And if it's their day, they will score goals. You saw that against Manchester United. This is a team capable of scoring goals. Do they prefer to sit back and defend? Uh, of course, of course. But um, listen, if it's down to the 70th minute and Atletico are still down 1-0, they're going to attack. And mind you, the next leg is in Spain. And, you know, Spanish teams tend to bring out the results in Spain. I want Atletico Madrid to come out of this leg. I would love to see a quarterfinal with Atletico Madrid versus Real Madrid. But um, that's my take on it. Yeah, uh, well, I'm going to ask you, do you think they're going to be aggressive? Do you think they're going to do high pressure? Because Man City will love for them to do that. They will love for Atletico Madrid to go crazy and attack them and go pressure them because they're, they're ready to break them down. But I don't really see how what's the strategy here with Man City. Either way, they're going to hurt them. Atletico Madrid can go in saying, I'm going to have a clean sheet if they want to score a goal. That's the, my only take. Uh, Eric touched on uh, exactly what I was about to mention. The, any Spanish team playing in their home against an English team, you can bet your bottom dollar that that Spanish team usually ends up out on top. And the Wanda Metropolitano Stadium, Atleti are beasts, man. Like, I, I would never count them out. And I know Eric said that they can't go into the game thinking that it'd be a tie, but I think they are definitely going to go thinking that it's going to be, look, nil-nil, let them attack, let them attack, let them think that they're comfortable. And like Eric said, you just have that switch. Remember, we, they still got guys like Joe Felix who could turn up and put a defense on the back foot and really punish them. So that was, I think, uh, an interesting tie for it only being a 1-0, you know, for City. I thought it'd be a, it'd open up the floodgates. You know, I thought City was so talented. What happened? You know, the the one goal. And now the Bayern Munich and Villarreal uh, matchup, that just caught me by surprise. On the previous episode, I've stated that I thought that Bayern would put all their eggs on the Champions League basket and try to just, you know, win the tournament. And yeah, I have no clue how Lewandowski tends to go so far from his actual form in the Bundesliga when it comes to these like huge matchups that are like do or die, whether it's for Poland or for Bayern Munich and Champions League, because I honestly don't think that Poland's going to make the World Cup, but that's for another discussion. And a big shout out to Liverpool for just turning up three goals. 
I appreciate it, Vas. Thank you guys so much for all your takes here for, for Champions League. We'll definitely stay tuned as we got some second legs coming up in the upcoming week as well. So definitely more to come on Champions League. And all right, fellas, let's get to our special guest, Brandon Vasquez, formerly from Atlanta United, Atlanta United 2 in the USL out of Chula Vista, California. He currently wears number 19 at forward for FC Cincinnati. We're super excited to talk to Brandon on the MLS 2022 season, some uh, FC Cincinnati and his career. So Brandon's coming up next. Let's go. All right, soccer fans, we got a special guest joining the show today. He's an American professional soccer player who's played for clubs such as Atlanta United, Atlanta United 2 in the USL, and played for the USMNTs, U17s through U20s. Uh, he currently wears number 19 at forward for FC Cincinnati. It's a true pleasure to have him on with us. So please give a warm welcome to Mr. Brandon Vasquez. Let's go. Ole, 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 <laughs> Brandon, Brandon. <laughs> Thank you guys uh, for having me. Seriously, it's a uh, pleasure. I love uh, connecting with people in the soccer world. You know, the soccer world is small, so I'm happy to connect everywhere I can. Absolutely, Brandon. Uh, definitely. The pleasure is all ours. Thank you so much. You know, first things first from all of us, you know, how are you? How's 2022 been treating you so far? Congrats on that amazing brace the other day against Inter Miami. And just overall, you know, man, how much are you loving playing in MLS? It's becoming an, a very attractive league for a lot of players abroad. And just how's everything been in FC Cincinnati with coach uh, Pat Noonan? Absolutely. Um, yeah, 2022 has been uh, it's been fun so far. I know um, our first two games started with a couple losses, but you could see the team having a good bond and having glimpses of like very good minutes and performances in, in those games and the past two games winning. It's, it's been great. MLS is like you said, it's it's growing a lot. A lot of big name players coming, and the level is uh, is getting higher and higher every year. So it's been good. It's been fun. I'm excited to see how the MLS is going to be in the next couple of years. Yeah, absolutely, Brandon, definitely. And you know, just before we get into a little bit more on your career, just want to take it back to the beginnings. I mean, we saw you were born in uh, San Diego, California, and of course, yep. we know uh, Mexican parents. But just had to ask you, you know, we saw you played a little bit with Cholos Tijuana. Just had to ask you, at what point in your in your youth career did you realize, like, wow, I could go pro and you could go far with, with soccer? Yeah, so I started playing in Tijuana when I was 13. Before that, I was playing in uh, club teams in San Diego, like San Diego Surf, Nomads there. And I think when I realized I could go pro, it was, it was probably when I went to Tijuana because, um, yeah, I mean, my dad is, is a very big influential person in my life he's the one who helped me get to Tijuana so I think around 13 14 I realized like okay I'm in the position where I can go pro and yeah I mean one thing turned into another and I was uh signing my first professional contract when I was 15 for the second team in Tijuana and yeah I mean throughout that time I I got called into the Mexican national team for a little bit with the U-17 cycle. And right before qualifying, U.S. called me and uh, Mexico hadn't called me in for that. So I was like, you know, what? I'm, I want to play this tournament. I want to play the qualifier. So I'm going with U.S. like no doubt. So, yeah, I mean, one thing led to another. It all happened really quickly. Oh, that's awesome, Brandon. Definitely. And one thing I wanted to highlight, you know, for some fans that may not know, you actually started off with Atlanta United in the MLS. You know, mm -hmm. arriving there in 2017 and what a heck of a squad that was with Tata Martino and Joseph Martinez and the rest of those guys. We know the rest is history, yeah. but, uh, you know, I just had to ask you, what was it like playing under coach Tata 
and just anything you learn valuable from all those guys because that's like a historic squad you know it's not every day that you know you see an expansion team winning the mls within their first couple years and we're seeing charlotte you know and and, and some new expansions coming up now and i think atlanta united is that golden standard for for a lot of expansions Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, playing under Tata Martino, my experience was amazing. It was a certain intensity every day in training. You would see the quality of all the players in every session, whether it's possession drills, finishing drills, how to press from uh, the top, how Tata wanted us to press, how we, how we wanted to do everything. You know, it was top quality and everything, no slacking at all, or else you wouldn't hear the end of it. And yeah, I mean, the whole team, whether you were playing or you were on the reserve team, it was 110% intensity, the whole training session that pushed everybody to be at their best at every moment. And um, that team was stacked. That team was absolutely stacked. There's nothing like that's the perfect word for it. Yeah, Brandon, I'm guessing it was a lot to learn from, from guys like Joseph Martinez and keeping you on your toes and keeping you sharp, just trying to be better for not just yourself and for the team, you know, working with guys like that. And just a little curious for some of the listeners who may not know, I know we mentioned you were part of the inaugural Atlanta team and you're also part of the inaugural Cincinnati squad. So you got to experience two expansion teams in their inaugural seasons. And how would you say the soccer culture may differ from what seems from afar to soccer crazed cities and maybe just any highlights off the field that some visiting fans may be able to experience, whether it's a destination for a restaurant or a cool spot to check out? Yeah, definitely. I mean, Atlanta and Cincinnati, two very different cities, you know, I mean, Cincinnati is definitely a smaller city with a big city feel to it. But Atlanta is just traffic all day. You know, it's a ton of people there. So the two different cities, completely different. But in the team aspect, Atlanta, um, like the fan base is very similar. Like even though Cincinnati has is a smaller city, it still packs the stadium like crazy. So it's a very similar vibe in the stadium where the stadium feels like it's rumbling, you know, it's electric. So in that aspect, it's been the same. In the team aspect, obviously, Atlanta had a lot of success in the first years. I mean, with the team we had, it was just, it seemed weird to tie a game or to lose a game, you know, like it was expected to win. We were expected to win every single game. And that's almost how it went um, most of the time. And um when I came to Cincinnati, yeah, it was it was different because there was a lot more uh, like a lot of losses. Um, not we didn't do as good the past two years since I've been here. So the culture was definitely different. Like, like I think in Cincinnati, a lot of people like on the, the team, they were expecting the results that we were having game in, game out. And there was a little bit of negativity which I'm really excited that there's none of that this year. And I feel like you can definitely see that on the field. And Brandon, thank you for bringing that point because that was actually my next question. The 2022 season for FC Cincinnati started in an unfortunate way, losing 5-0 against Austin and then losing an extra time against DC United. At any point afterwards, did you feel, did you have any concerns that those same struggles would repeat themselves this season? Believe it or not, I didn't feel that way because you could see us even when we lost versus Austin 5-0, you could see on the field the chemistry that our team had, the the work rate our team had. And it was just one of those games where I made a mistake at the beginning of the game. 
they scored on it. It was a set piece. And from there on, we were kind of chasing the game and we couldn't get back into it. But you could see that the team chemistry was there. The attitude was there. The work rate was there. And we didn't let the scoreline or the scoreboard affect our attitude because when we got back the next week, we went, hit the ground running. And in training sessions, you could see the quality of the team. You could see the attitude, how everybody like knew like we could do so much better. And I mean, the next week after that, even though we lost in the 98th minute versus DC, we dominated that game. We should have won that game. We had so many more chances than they did, and we weren't able to uh, finish that game, unfortunately. But even though we lost that game, you could see like we have a top quality team. And if we play like that every single game, we're going to win more games than not. And the past two games, we've shown that. <laughs> yeah, and that's one of the things I also wanted to ask you because it seems like for this year, there is a sense of resilience in the team's DNA. And I just wanted to ask you, maybe you know where that might have come from. That's a good question. Maybe with the new staff, you know, I mean, I think there's a lot of new players on the team with a lot to prove and the new GM, the new head coach, assistants, everybody came in with such good positivity with an identity of how we wanted to play, no confusion in that. And uh, the coaches have been very demanding and everybody respects the coaching staff incredibly and believe in what they want from us and a lot of players have also like had that change of heart where it's a new season, it's a new opportunity, and we can show that this team is more than what it was the past couple of years. And yeah, I mean, it's it's been great to be a part of this squad this season. It's still very early in the season, but I mean, I think I think we're going to have a great season. This team is like unbelievable. So I'm, I'm excited to see how it's going to go. I mean, Vaz can tell we were rooting for you against Orlando. I'm like, yes, they got the win. We're so excited for this team because yeah. they have been able to put a really good group together. And I also like that you mentioned the assistant coaches because we recently read that you have been working with coach Dominic Kinnear. Uh -huh. And you've been working in there uh, when it comes to finishing a movement in the box. One of the things that I wanted to ask you, what are some of the things that you have learned with coach and how has that probably impacted or influenced your game for this season for sure Dominic Kinnear has been working with me more than any other coach in my career has worked with me you know he stays with me after training we do finishing drills we do drills where I hold up the ball so We do video sessions today we had a video session after training where he shows me film of the past game we do this weekly so the game of the weekend before we do film where we go through all the plays that I was involved in and what I could be doing better and uh, what I did good so we've definitely been working a lot you know like sharpening up my finishing sharpening up my hold up play we've been going through all the checklists you know we've been doing everything And I know it's still early in the season and we've only had a limited amount of time. But I mean, with that extra work that we've put in just in these past couple months, you could see it paying off. And yeah, last year I was also at the end of the year when I had um, these chances to start, I was also finishing, getting some goals under my belt. But now I feel like season started back up. I'm back in that rhythm of scoring goals. And I can thank Dominic a lot for that. Yeah, and even though, like, from the first game that I had got the chance to see you, you really caught my attention the way you just play that forward role because 
you look so dangerous every time you were in the box. So I knew that there was something special and I'm glad to see that in the last two games as well. Brendan, one of the things that I wanted to mention is that Coach Dominic also said this. Everyone has a formula for success, but it really comes down to if the player wants to do what you're asking them to do. So obviously, apart from professionalism, what is or what do you believe makes a player trust and listen to what their coach is asking of them? Absolutely. I, I have this mentality where work wins. You know, I always want to put in the extra work. I mean, my dad has always told me if, if you want to go the extra mile or if you want to be better than the rest, you have to work more than the rest. So that's stuck with me throughout my whole life, basically, since the moment he's told me that. And for me, it's always been about the extra work, doing the extra mile at the end of training or just the small things that other people don't do. And for me, it's yeah, I mean, Dominic, sometimes he'll tell me we can do a video session today if you want. If you don't want, that's fine. Like it's here if you want it. And for me, it's it's another resource that I have that I could take advantage of, you know. So for me, it's everything that I could soak in, all the information that I can learn from Dominic, from video, from the coaching staff, from Pat. I'm the type to do everything possible. So yeah, I try to soak in as much as I can. Oh wow, you know, not thank you for all of that. You know, you clearly show us, you know, you have the one of the highest work ethics, you know, a professional player can have. And, you know, definitely shout out to the dads and, you know, moms, <laughs> parents and all, you know, for just giving us amazing advice, like just throughout our lives. And you know, I'm curious, Brandon, because obviously, you know, scoring goals is the biggest part of soccer, but, you know, defending is just as important. Mm -hmm. Now, without revealing too much juice or without, without revealing too much secret <laughs> to your opponents out there, you know, how do you beat defenders? You know, what are some things you look to do to make their jobs tougher? And like on the other side, you know, what type of defenders do you hate to come up against? Like, you know, ah, oh, shit, I got to face this guy again, you know? <laughs> yeah, you know, that's, that's a good question. I mean, I just try to work harder than the guy who's defending me, you know, because there's going to be a certain point where he loses focus or he's just distracted for a second. And that's where I see myself winning in a situation, whether it's a 1v1 or um, like a movement off the ball. That's the stuff I look to do. So that's with the ball. But without the ball, it's also like pressing high, being physical, you know, like never making it easy for a defender. And I think that goes a long way, especially um, with defending because forwards are the first line of defense. So if I put good pressure on a defender or on a wing back, whatever it may be, it helps the rest of my team. It makes their life easier. So I try to do everything I can on the ball and off the ball to help the team, whether it's recovering the ball or making them pass the ball to the wrong person or just mess up. So yeah, I guess I would say that. Yeah. Great stuff, Brandon. And just to highlight what Christian said about Dom Kinnear, I'm guessing it must be incredible to work under what I consider a coach who's up there with the likes of Ziggy Schmidt and Bruce Arena, you know, and he's definitely up there in terms of wins as well in the top five. But to add on to what Eric was just mentioning, the MLS is an always evolving league and it's always growing in stature, bringing in players from all realms of the soccer world, really. And I'm just curious as a forward, what has been maybe the most challenging opponent that you've had in the league now since we've seen all this talent come in? And maybe what are some adjustments that you had to make playing against this player? And just to add on, maybe who's your favorite defender or player to go up against? Just to see a quick contrast. 
I mean, this league is full of big defenders, you know, there's these big physical guys who are built like tanks. So I guess sometimes when those players are bigger than me or just like hard to body, you know, when it's like a real like battle, I would say it's harder to compete versus somebody who's bigger than me than when they aren't, you know, or when they're my same size. Because for me, it's I have to change my strategy of my game. It's not like bodying people. It's going to be more like finding the spaces and getting away from these players and receiving the balls and playing without the ball at my feet, you know, or trying to hold a play. It's going to be more touch and move, touch and move and catch the guy like at the wrong area, you know, like drag him out of the space and maybe let my 10 or my other forward make the run in his back, you know? So sometimes it's like, it's a bigger spectrum, you know, like it's not just I'm working for myself, but it's more like I'm working for the players around me too. And I think my favorite player to play against most challenging as well. I would say miles Robinson. I love playing against him. You know, like he is all around one of the best defenders I've ever played against, but I played against him in training every single day when I was in Atlanta, you know? So it was, it's a battle because I know he's good in the air. He's strong. He's fast. But at the same time, like I know, like in training sessions, like I know how to beat him as well. And it's always been a battle every time I play against him. And even though me and him are really close and we're really great friends, it's it's always fun to play against him. Yeah. Flamingo celebration or no? <laughs> Mata came up with that. Matarita, he came up with that before warm-ups. He was like, what's our goal celebration today? And I was like, I don't know, man. Like, what could we do? Like, we brought up like the the Joseph and Almiron celebration. I was like, we can't do that. That's the classic. That's their classic. We can't take that from them. And then we uh, saw the Mosala celebration, how he does like the mantra yoga pose. And, all, and we were like, let's do that. Why not? And then people started saying we were making fun of Inter-Miami because <laughs> they're like Flamingo on their jersey. And I was like, oh, shit. Like, that's true. They do have a Flamingo on their jersey. But we didn't mean it for that, you know, like. Next time we play together when he's back from national team, no matter who we play and we score, we'll probably do that too. Yeah, just friendly banter. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man, I, I got to book the date now. April 16th, FC Cincinnati versus Atlanta United. I, <laughs> I got I to tune in for the game. You know, Miles, yeah. you know, shout out to Miles. I think Brandon has your number, you know. I don't know. We got to watch <laughs> out there. Oh, <laughs> uh, Brandon, look. Me personally, you know, growing up, my favorite position was the right side of the bench. You know, I was the first one to clap when we scored. I would offer, you know, a towel or, you know, a water bottle. Hey, you thirsty? But no, no, on a more serious note, you know, I think you play a position most kids, you know, grow up wanting to be, you know, they want to get the goals. They want the spotlight. But, you know, I think not only us, but like our fans as well, you know, has there been a player throughout history who you've attempted to, you know, kind of mold into your own playing style? That's a great question. You know, I grew up idolizing Ronaldinho, Cristiano Ronaldo when he was he was in his Manchester United days, you know, because I was growing up watching these these guys YouTube videos singing like, wow, these guys are incredible. Like the way they like take defenders on, they score goals, they they're doing all these moves, they're tricking everybody, you know, they're doing step overs, cuts. And at the beginning of my like playing days, that's what I would like try to imitate. You know, I was like in my backyard doing all these step overs, cutting, doing the Ronaldinho 
like Elastica, doing the Cristiano Ronaldo chop, doing all this stuff. But I've realized as I've gotten older, like, you know, when you play against these top quality players, it's, it's extremely, extremely hard to be able to do that at this level. You know, it's more of like, for me, it's more you have to be in certain places on the field at certain moments to be able to pull that stuff off. And it's more like, like for me, my gameplay right now, it's more like play simple, play simple, get in the box and put myself in positions to score. And at my early days, I guess I would model my game after them. But as I grew older, I would see Ibrahimovic, Lewandowski. They're just like dangerous players who aren't doing all these tricks, but they're just putting themselves in the right position. And um, yeah, I would say, yeah, Lewandowski, Benzema, Ibrahimovic back in the day a couple years ago. Yeah, I think those would be the latest guys I would look look to. But that I play like now, I don't know. I try to be well-rounded in everything, you know. So I don't know. I haven't really thought about that. That's a good question. Great stuff, Brandon. Great stuff. And I'm sensing whenever I see you on the field, major Wando vibes. It's like you're playing Jedi mind tricks, trying to find that right space to run into, you know, use your body. Some great stuff. And also shout out to Ronaldinho, man. There's a reason why I do this anytime on the podcast, you know? <laughs> so it was his birthday two, three days ago. So shout out to him as well. Yeah, but, uh, uh, just curious. You've been a part of some pretty special teams. I know we mentioned that Atlanta United side that was so star-studded. And it's definitely one that stands out. And uh, I know I touched on you working with guys like Joseph Martinez on your goal-scoring touch. But just on a less serious note, who's a teammate that you'd say has helped you just enjoy your time the most as not even a soccer player, just your time together. Cause I know you uh, have, have uh, had a quite a journey with Greg Garza. You guys are in Cholos together. You're in Atlanta together. You were in Cincinnati together. I would almost say you were following him. You know, you're like his, his favorite stalker. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was very weird how that happened too, because I mean, yeah, we were in Tijuana together and then I ended up moving to Atlanta. They bought me first. And then Atlanta got Greg on loan. And then Cincinnati bought Greg the season before I went. And then Cincinnati buys me. And we had just ended up my first three professional teams that I've been to. Greg has been at each one of those. And yeah, for sure. Me and me and Greg are really cool. Me and Greg are, uh, are close. I don't talk to him as often anymore. But but yeah, me and him are cool. Somebody I would in, I've enjoyed most time being with. I bring him up again. I would say Miles Robinson. I mean... That's the bromance right there. That's the homie for sure. I mean, when I was in Atlanta, I was literally hanging out with him almost every single day after training. We would also hang out. And still, even like last year, uh, we have a couple of days off and my fiance's family's from Atlanta. So I would end up going to Atlanta with my fiance, would end up seeing Miles again. Like we would go go out to get dinner or something and you know, so that's like probably one of my biggest friendships that I've made in my soccer career, for sure. You'd love to see it. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Now, um, I may or may not be saying something controversial here, but um, it's French toast, waffles, pancakes in that order. Whoever wants to disagree <laughs> or agree, I'm willing to debate it. But uh, <laughs> Brandon, we, we saw we saw an interview, you know, after your back to back braces, you know, you said it. You was like you told the reporter, you know what you had for breakfast. You had a stack of pancakes. And, you know, I love that. I'm sure all our fans love that. I'm sure all your fans love that. And, you know, we want to know what's a typical game day like for you in terms of meals, getting ready, warm up, you know. That's funny you say that because 
I actually like waffles and French toast more than pancakes. <laughs> that was just what happened to be what my breakfast was that day. <laughs> it's not even like my favorite breakfast or anything. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love pancakes, but I do prefer a good French toast over pancakes. But for real, uh, game day. I mean, it, it just depends what, what time the, the game is, you know? I mean, I try to eat healthy every meal, you know? I mean, for breakfast, sometimes it'll be pancakes. Sometimes it'll be eggs and toasts and the coffee. And for lunch, I'll do chicken, rice, and broccoli or salmon, rice, and a veggie or spaghetti or like carbs, a protein, and some vegetables that's always what I try to do and usually like the night before I'll try to like carb load I'll eat a bowl of pasta or a ton of potatoes sweet potatoes stuff like that so yeah pretty much it's like as healthy as you can as it could get you know including carbs <laughs> all right so when I'm out to Cincinnati I'm gonna ask you for a good you know pancake place or french toast place whatever it may be <laughs> I got you and- I was doing some snooping, you know, I guess you can call it stocking. I don't think so, but, uh, <laughs> uh, um, you know, you definitely have an impressive sneaker collection. I, you know, uh, from one sneaker enthusiast to another, you know, I mean, that's just the peak of the iceberg, but, um, I want to know, you know, do you have a favorite pair, pair of cleats, your go-tos? And apart from that, what's your favorite sneaker? My cleats right now. I mean, I, I have to wear Adidas because of the leaks. So I've been wearing the X's, but I got something to show you guys. So, yeah, sneakerhead, I don't know anybody in this whole league who has more sneakers than me. Oh, man, love it. I love it. I love it. Jim Curtin might give you a run for your money, though. Oh, she's got fire. He's got fire, too. <laughs> I Greg so. Berhalter, too. I don't know. He's yeah, like, I saw him rocking those Jordan 4s. You yeah, saw him, yeah. Pirates. I was like, okay. But no, just uh, to get back on uh, a little bit of uh, your career thus far. Uh, congratulations on being Cincinnati's all-time leading goal scorer. I want to start with that. And uh, I'm just guessing, as a professional soccer player, it must be a stressful job, uh, especially for a forward who is always demanded, you know, to be on the box sheet, whether it's goals, assists. You're always being counted on to deliver. And I'm just curious, for Brandon Vasquez, the man, what's something that you like to do, whether it's in the off-season or during your off-time, to just help you get your mind off of the game and just unplug a little bit from that professional environment because I had heard you had mentioned in a previous interview that you had went to China and I know I mentioned I had a big plate of arroz chaufa that Peruvian fried rice uh-huh and just curious man what what are just some things that you like to do on your off time yeah I mean you're right soccer can be stressful all the time you know I mean I my whole world revolves around it you know and if stuff is not going my way it feels like my world is upside down so it is nice to get away from it sometimes it's like for the mental aspect of everything it's nice to take a little break when the season ends because during the season all 24 hours of my day revolves around soccer whether it's recovery stuff diet stuff getting certain amount of hours of sleep like not sitting at my pc desk for too long because i gotta stretch my legs out you know i mean everything my whole life revolves around it 24 hours a day everything i do is for soccer so when the season ends yeah I like to uh I like to travel a little bit my fiance loves to travel as well so these past couple off seasons we've been everywhere I did go to China a couple years ago with my family my parents wanted to go and it was like right before Thanksgiving so 
I was like, all right, let's go. I like it was right before all COVID. It was like the December 2019, like right before all that happened. So it was like really weird timing because right when I got back, everything started going south. And I was like, damn, I was just there. I hope I didn't get it. But I didn't end up getting it until this past Christmas. I got COVID like two days before Christmas. So I was locked in my room this past Christmas playing video games 23 hours a day. So, yeah, I like playing video games. I like traveling, doing stuff to distract me a little bit from soccer. Brandon, I, I honestly, from all of us, I can't thank you enough. Honestly, this, I think I say this all the time, but I think I really mean it this time. This has been definitely one of my f- most favorite interviews for sure, without a doubt. And kind of to wrap it up, you know, MLS is growing more and more every year, without a doubt. And, mm-hmm. you know, a common trend is that more and more young talents are moving to Europe. And you're still fairly young, of course, you know, you're still yeah. young. You know, where do you see yourself in five years? And, you know, it doesn't have to be a direct answer, but, you know, make a you know a little prediction bro my whole career since the moment I went pro since the moment I knew like I love playing soccer for me I want to go overseas bro I want to go to Europe so bad and that's been my ambition my hunger my motivation my whole career and I've been grinding a lot in silence and just waiting for the moment and waiting for the opportunity so I in five years, like, I want to be in Europe. I envision myself in Europe. I hope I manifest it, you know? Like, that's where I want to be. I want to be competing in the top leagues in the world. I want to be over there. We'll be rooting for you, yeah. without a doubt. Without yeah. a doubt. You know, speak it to existence. Yeah, yeah, I'm a big believer in manifestation. So, I'm going to keep grinding. I'm going to keep grinding. You can believe that. Absolutely, Brandon. Hey, we want to say thank you so much for your time, man. And we're wishing you all the best for this upcoming season. We're rooting you on from New York City. And, yeah, man, we'll definitely hope to meet you uh, next time FC Cincinnati comes over here for the Red Bulls or for NYCFC. Definitely rooting you on, though, for sure. Yeah, that would be great. It would be nice to meet you guys in person. All right, guys. That was the interview with Brandon Vasquez. Oh, man. Brandon, thank you so much for being on with us. Christian, man, always got to go to you. What you think of Brandon? And, yeah, man, anything you want to say before we get out of here? Just an absolute amazing person. I think we say this all the time as well. This was a very special interview for me. So I want to thank you, Brandon, for giving us your time. And he's a player that will have a lot of success, not only in MLS, but I know that he's going to make his dream come true playing in Europe. And lastly, just one thing that he left me with was I had asked him a question about what makes you want to listen to a coach. But then he didn't give me a response based on what the coach can do for him. It's his own mentality of knowing that I have to do extra to be better. So it doesn't come from the coach. It doesn't come from the other players. It comes from yourself. If you want to be better at something, you work hard for it. You get that extra push and you become a successful person. And that's why I think he's going to be a success here in the United States and in Europe whenever he gets the chance. Quick thank you again for having some time to speak your career, Brandon. You were a pleasure to have on. And congratulations on leading the Golden Boot race at this point in the season in the MLS. Big up to that. And can't wait to see what he has in store for him because the kid's talented and he definitely has uh, one foot on the path to Europe if he continues his form. You know, it's confirmed, you know, French toast and waffles over pancakes. He, You know, I had to ask him, you know, it is a... Obviously, one is superior over the other. He, he gave us an insight. No, listen, I'm so glad we got to, you know, have him on the show. Really appreciate you, Brandon. 
an amazing player. I look forward to, you know, what you have coming forward. I'm sure, you know, the best thing about being young is that there's only one way up. And, you know, I can definitely see Brandon going to Europe. You know, he's currently leading the goal scoring uh, for not only Cincinnati, but all of MLS. You know, he's currently the golden boot leader. And I look forward to this guy. You know, I, I'm kind of fearing Mexico having to defend against this guy along Miles Miles Robinson. You know, he he touched upon his relationship with him. And, you know, aside from that, you know, this guy got some sneak, sneaker heat, man. Come on. No, but listen, Brandon, thank you so much for joining us. I can't thank you enough. And I'm sure all fan, our fans would definitely love this episode. Appreciate it, fellas. And yeah, thank you guys for episode 57. A huge thank you again to Brandon Vasquez from FC Cincinnati for joining us. Uh, we'll be back next week for episode 58 with some more MLS action, CONCACAF Champions League action, keeping an eye on the UEFA Champions League as well with the second legs. We're more than halfway through our 50s already. So thank you guys again. Check out the website, soccersubs.com. And we'll see you guys next week for episode 58. Everyone take care and have a good one. Thank you.